And he's a finance guy, and he calculated all of these, you know, these metrics as to why he was moving there. He just kind of moved there, and he's been there, and he's been investing in, you know, a number of companies and so on and so forth. But he had not told me um, what was really going on there. You know, he knows that I, I've been a journalist for, for however number of years, and I, I explore emerging markets and so on and so forth. But I don't think he was just he was considering it from a style perspective. It was more from an investment and, a, and, and an emerging market, um, you know, um, from that perspective, from an economic perspective. But in any case, upon landing in Ho Chi Minh City, which is Saigon, I was like, ah, I see what's going on here. This city is dynamic, and this is 10 million people strong city already. It's dynamic. There's a, there, there, there's a lot of construction, a lot of development, real estate development, all kinds of different stores, all kinds of different industries. The rail system is changing. Everything is happening there. So I really felt, I really felt the, 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 the movement in Vietnam that everyone says is the next key economy in the world. I love that. So then you basically you got there not really knowing what to expect and then you were like very pleasantly surprised. Yes, exactly. And and I must say that part of being there was to write several articles for different a host of different publications on on different things in Vietnam, different regions and so on and so forth. And some of them be encompassing including some of the economics. Uh, but no, I had not known. I, I and I like to I like that experience as well. I like not researching things that sense of discovery. I to- I yeah. totally do. I totally I connecting the dots in real time. That's part of the that's part of the the grab for me. And but it was nice because I feel like you had a lot of time there to just discover in a way that a lot of people. Do you know? What oh I mean? yeah, like oh yeah. You go for a very limited amount of time. You almost want an itinerary, but that sense of discovery and being able to kind of go around and really get a real sense of place just sounds. It was truly magic. And I went from, you know, I went all over the country. I didn't, I I wasn't just, um, um, I just didn't stay in Saigon, for example. I went to the Mekong Delta in the south and um, um, uh, across the Delta. And then I went to um, Foucault, which is an island um, off the coast of Vietnam, but but it's it's operated by by the Vietnamese government. And there, let's talk about a place that has crazy development. I happen to think they're getting it wrong there. The developments are too large and so on and so forth. Like real estate development, hotels, like the amount of hotels. See, you have to understand that where Vietnam is situated is is becoming such a a destination for like the Koreans and the Chinese and so on and so forth. So you imagine, so those populations are are growing economically. They have greater um, spending power, and they're looking. It's the winter time, you know. It's the winter time in China and in Korea, so they're looking for places to travel. So there's tons of opportunity, regional opportunity in Southeast Asia and across Asia for people to the Japanese are also traveling there. So it's not just it's not just through a Western lens that we have to look at a place like that also has a powerful regional appeal. I love these conversations about when you travel. <laughs> when I have these conversations with friends that travel, it's usually from a sort of very personal experiential standpoint of, of what they experienced. But I love that you really break it down from a cultural, economic, demographic, and all of these different components that just make it feel very real and it's so layered and it really actually makes me want to, like I actually want to get on the plane and go right now. 
Oh, no, 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 but you absolutely should. And for the record, Vietnam is the cheapest place I've ever been to. Like, really cheap. Like, where you're the day-to-day existence of, like, buying food, taking a taxi, whatever, eating wherever, going out wherever is so reasonable. You feel like a regular person. This is how a regular person should live. You're not, like, you know, like, scratching your head, leaving a restaurant. Like, just why like, is this so extortionate? Why was that, like... <laughs> exactly. Things that we've come to sort of, like, accept have like $65 meals that's just a, a little you know it's, exactly like think we're just like well how does that work but there you're like yes this this $3 something which $3 for anything is like as a price tag by the way but this $3 something make perfect sense in any case people are incredibly nice the population, the average age is 22, so it's an incredible, incredibly young population. Oh, so the youth culture there is, like, popping. Oh, the youth culture is so popping, and there's optimism. They're really excited, as you can imagine. You know, they're looking at, in spite of it being a, a communist country, which you would never be able to tell, it's like, it's like China these days, you know, there's so much spending and, you know, so much capitalism really displayed, or at least signs of capitalism that's there, that you would never know that it, it's communism. And there's a youth culture, everyone's optimistic, and there's just a lot, lot of activity. Wait, so talk to me about um, this kind of culture of optimism, because that's one of my favourite topics, I think, over the last few months, I've been really been looking at that. But, like, how did, you, how did that manifest? Like, how did you feel it? Well, um, well, I mean, just in the, in the warmth of the people. And in your day-to-day interaction. Oh, absolutely. And you see the contentedness. You know, you know you, and there's one thing. Food, the food culture in Vietnam is massive. Food is everywhere. You see everyone. There's fresh vegetables, fresh food everywhere. Everyone's consuming foods. And this, every, there's just a lot of consumption. And someone made the point to me there that, you know, while is a poor, it's still a very, very poor country. Apparently, the annual um, income, average income is $2,000. Um, and that's that's wow. buoyed by the main cities of Hanoi and the um, the Ho Chi Minh, um, but uh, in other regions it's much much lower. But in any case, what everyone eats there, everyone eats, and um, I love the uh, not that I love the, but I um, in him saying that I understood something about the culture, and his he said that you know everyone's able to eat, so you're not seeing people with angst necessarily running around. When you have a full belly, you know you're projecting a certain energy to the world, and that is so true of many cultures, but also. To the economic point, what I find particularly with um, countries who are considered uh, financially poor, they find riches in other things. So a lot of those cultures organize themselves around, you know, family and food and community and other things that don't have a monetary value, but just they radiate a certain happiness. And you say, you know, you mentioned family and food and community. Yes, exactly. You feel you feel that very differently than you say we're in New York City at please in like a, a Vietnam is right there at street level, literally on the streets where the families are coexisting, are cooking right there. You feel you absolutely, like absolutely feel that feeling, a real sensory <laughs> experience of the smiles and the smell of food and the music. And um, it's just and like it's... By, by the way, there is a legendary, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, there is a legendary traffic in Vietnam and a lot of the traffic is um, scooters. You know, so they're, so the buzzing and the whirring and the whizzing and the carrying. So you left, right, anywhere you turn, there are thousands of scooters that are coming at you at any given time. So that, that, that creates, um, an unbelievable energy and unbelievable buzz in the city that's like 24 hours. So imagine. That's so funny that you talk about it. You talk about traffic and the, and the horns and it with a sense of vibrancy. 
in a way that, because it's not too dissimilar, obviously not talking about scooters, but more so cars, than how people talk about LA when they're just like, it literally makes me want to kill myself. Oh, oh. <laughs> you talk about it through such a different lens, which is also what I like about, you know, traveling to these different places where you're talking about a lot of the same things, but through a completely different um, well, I, I uh, fancy myself a bit of a cultural anthropologist, and so yes, I do look at it through um, a bit uh, through through those kind of lens. Like I'd like to understand what makes a culture ticks, what differentiates cultures, and what can and ultimately what connects them. I mean, that's kind of my personal and also professional um, interest. I like to I like to understand those things, and it, it's amazing. It makes me understand people so much better when I understand what what motive what culturally motivate or what motivates them um culturally rather i find that to be fascinating so you could be like you know you could have you could have been living a certain way with a certain perception for years upon years upon years and then you go to a region you're like oh i mean this is not the best example but i have to tell you when i first went to china and i was as a stylist working for this family and i kept asking the housekeepers for for water and they kept giving me like warm water and i was just like well i mean can't these people like i mean this is a really prominent family can't these people get some ice and like you know we're westerners and like get like get some cold water they give it like us people <laughs> i did offer jason some water it was room temperature carry on. <laughs> but it was just like this warm water and i i got to tell you it was days before i had the understanding the realization that like in fact they drink warm water is is what they drink because it's better for the digestion and so on and so forth and it's like in fact if you're culturally um aware that's an important part of how of their their daily digestion but yet i was like i was actually like almost taking offense <laughs> that's so funny but that's such a good example but then i think that also does help inform your kind of outlook on on life because you're definitely one of those people who I think has met a lot of people from a lot of different places and even though you're obviously taking into account and trying to look into those differences I think you find that we're actually all the same and I think that also shapes your your warmness just a open moment there well I have to say I learn from people uh so much in every everywhere I go and I attract <laughs> I always attract a lot of attention in in in, in different places and the, this past trip wasn't any different I end up meeting amazing people who imparted incredible information and warmth uh, to me so it's, it's fantastic I this is not something I'll see us doing in this lifetime okay so I'm gonna go to Vietnam for sure I've actually got, got a couple of other friends who have recently been there as well friends who just went there for her honeymoon uh what was the standout was there a particular hotel or was there a particular garden or restaurant or type of food or island or what was some of the standouts I went to so many different places, so there were there were highlights of 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 each region. You know, I went to the South Isles off off the coast of Foucault, while the main island in Foucault was an amazing. I went on a on a boating trip off the coast of the Southern Isles. Beautiful, amazing, stunning. I couldn't highlight that enough. In um in Hue, I took a train, and that was actually the train itself was an experience. I took a train from Hanoi to uh, Hue, which is the imperial uh, imperial city where the imperial city is located. And sometimes I get a little like, okay, another. But the Imperial City was amazing. It was just the most amazing things to see, amazing thing to see. I, we drove down through the High Passage down to this lagoon, the High Passage, which used to be essentially their Highway One. I mean, some of the vistas that you see from this place, un un unbelievable. Um, and as well, just the 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 you know the sights and sounds of um Hanoi and um and Saigon themselves, just. 
fantastic. Think, you know, things that you don't know about Vietnam. You don't know that Vietnam has such a um, imperial history, for example. Uh, yes, you may know about its recent, you know, turbulent history of war and so on and so forth, but it's a country with a long history, great tradition, and wonderful people. And I felt like I just scratched the surface and it's definitely has become now one of my places, like in a way that, say, Brazil is. And um, I want to dig, I want to dig deeper. For example, we're, we're in Huey to, at the Imperial Palace that was just vacated at the, in the 1940s, the end of the 1940s, you know? Like, it, this is not a, this is not a long time ago. So, in terms of like that kind of splendor and that kind of history, it's there in Vietnam. So, I see it as truly, um, you know, they're talking about Southeast Asia. I see that as the, particularly Ho Chi Minh as the crowning, um, a city in that in that region um, that's next for sure. Was there anything else that stood out particularly like from the arts to the anyone you met that was really awesome all of the above you know I, I I definitely check out a fair amount of art um in 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 all the places that I went to Ho Chi Minh was probably the most uh, significant there was a um, a townhouse that was led by sort of a Charles Saatchi of the region and it was a fascinating story he ended up recently went blind. But he has amassed all of these uh, Vietnamese artists under one roof, under a relatively modest-sized um, townhouse. Those that are, are living locally and those are international, um, who, who, who live internationally. And um, just had a fantastic, fantastic collection of Vietnamese art that was truly, truly inspiring. Uh, in Hanoi, I was so taken by that being the... Uh, the, the cultural, the cultural Mecca, um, in Vietnam. I was taken by that. I was taken by as well the, the things that went down. I stayed at the Metropole Hotel, which is like the ground zero for, um, when the war was going down. You know, we were even taken, uh, taken to the, to the basement where, um, where they, they had to carve out, uh, alleyways and stuff for, for, for people to hide while the bombing was taking place outside. So those, the, being able to have an experience, those kind of things was fantastic. One of the observations, however, I must say, is that I mentioned to you that um, there's there's like cultural travel to Vietnam right now, primarily by Canadians and Americans. The the chic hasn't arrived there yet. You know that that is a. I.e., you know, they are not fully equipped to say handle the most discerning international traveler who may not want to say be on a. Uh, just an island and stay there for the for the duration of their of their trip. They want to have a more diverse mix up. That lane has to be carved out. Where uh, uh you know a chic discerning traveler doesn't necessarily want to be crowded by group buses and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. They want to carve out a much more discerning lane in their Vietnamese experience. That's that that's one thing that I must say that I observe that that will come no doubt will come. And it doesn't necessarily mean being at a six senses on a on a on a on a pristine island off the coast somewhere that does exist but in terms of like going to those going to the respective cities or the respective regions and have an itinerary that is um that's reflective of the kind of uh travel and lifestyle that you want to that you want to live there has to be a bit more of a uh edit when it comes to that because mm. okay. it sounds like you just had this incredible experience that i would think that's why you go for the most part but I see what you mean. Explain your last bit, why I go. Um, because you went to uh, the experience that you had. Just so, It just seems so authentic and so, like, you really took it in. Oh, like, yes. I thought that regardless of what walk of life you're from, that's kind of a, 
a lot what you would want to retain. Well, no, no, let's be honest. Not everyone, you know, we're, we, we deal with like, you know, incredibly demanding Americans and, and so forth who don't understand those nuances of, of a culture. They just kind of want it to be a particular way. They want it to be pristine or, or very similar to how they know it at home. Mm, that's the, true. Yeah, those standards are not necessarily there. And the staff of these hotels are amazing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they have full faculty of the English language, for example. You know what I mean? You may have five people, you know, ready to serve you, but not one of them have the, <laughs> you're able to communicate that with. But that, for me, as a seasoned traveler, as someone who understands how, you know, different cultures work, that's absolutely fine. That's not a hindrance for me. In fact, that makes it, that brings it a certain charm. Right. But as I said, the more, that more discerning person who wants things a certain way because that's how they want it, they may not be ready for it Vietnam right now. And then <laughs> you went to Ibiza. I went to Ibiza and I went to, I went to for a styling job there essentially. And that was, you know, I've never been to Ibiza in the winter. It is so Sublime, and you know, a lot of people are moving there, are making so many that. People are moving to Ibiza, particularly a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I know from London, because it's such a short trip away that they can live between the two places. I know, and I flew from London there, and I was like, and the plane was packed. And I was like, this makes tremendous sense. Let's be honest. You could either be, what, an hour and a half away in gloomy London in the winters, or you could be in Ibiza where, I mean, the, there was, there were. London gets such a bad rap for the weather, by the way. I mean, but, well, <laughs> it, it's true, however. But, um, but Ibiza had almond blossoms and all sorts of growth that was going on. It was, it was really, 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 really something. And I had a great appreciation for being there in the winter, I have to tell you. It, I, I see why someone would, um, would decamp there for the, for, for the winter and stay there. It was fantastic. I was kind of locked up and working, but it was fantastic. Have you been in the winter? No. I've never been in the summer either. Uh, oh. <laughs> Get there. That's an island that absolutely lives up to its reputation. Most of my friends from London are quite disgusted by the fact that I've never been to Ibiza. You kind of have to I go. feel like it's just, it's such a rite of passage in so many different phases of your life. Like when True. I was a teenager, <laughs> it was all about going to Ibiza or going to Ayanapa. Uh-huh. That was it. Right. You go and you rave and you party. And that was literally from like the ages of 16 to about 21. Right. And then after 21, everyone obviously thought they were like part of that, you know, Primrose Hill set where they're like, we just, you know, <laughs> we just have chic times in Ibiza and then maybe go to a club once in a while. Right. And then that's carried us through to our sort of early to mid thirties. And yep. I didn't do any of those. And it's still right for the picking. And I would I'm not dead yet. Uh, uh, no, you're not dead yet. And I would suggest you. I would suggest you get there because that island. Every time I'm there, I'm like, you really are a fierce destination. I'd be interested to go, but what's really funny is that <clears throat> I always hear about trips, like first-hand experiences to places like Kenya, Vietnam, India. Those are the experiences that I think I would want to have. But the trips that seem a bit more off the beaten track, or the things that you feel like you're just going to take so much more from not just from an experiential standpoint but the things that really inform your cultural perspective or set your life type perspective and, and, and that can be Ibiza that's a that's the funny thing about it is that you can have so many different experiences on that island including the off the beaten track one and you never have to interface with 
any of that, you know, crazy party culture. That's the actually fascinating thing about that island. You can have so many different experiences. So those are, well, those are two places. Ibiza and uh, Vietnam. Vietnam, I would highly, highly suggest, suggest there. Okay, so my next two trips are booked. And now we're back in New York. <laughs> and now, uh, time for Fashion Week. Exactly. So we will be reporting. We'll be doing some interviews this week. We'll have some guests here at the conversation. Next podcasts are going to be so please check us out as we um as we talk to some people at some of the people in town for fashion week yeah and i'm glad you're back i'm very excited to be back as well my dear bye-bye ciao